I'm Anthony Penn. Welcome to Pen Drop. My special guest today is Jamal Cyrus. He is an award-winning artist. Most recently, he's won the prestigious Driscoll Prize, awarded by the High Museum of Art in Atlanta, Georgia. His work examines forgotten, ignored, or fragmentary accounts of African-American culture and identity. He raises clear questions about official history, what is overlooked and why, and the biases held by those writing and interpreting it. He uses a range of materials, including musical equipment, food, plant life, and used clothing, but transforms them into densely layered objects that refer to Southern material culture. Jamal, thanks for hanging out with me today. Thank you very much for inviting me. I really enjoyed our conversation. That was part of the the Moody uh, Art Center uh, program, and and yeah, I just would just love to continue talking. And I tell you. you, it was that conversation. Um, halfway through that conversation, I thought to myself, if he's open to it, I have to have him on the podcast because we got to figure out a way to continue that chat. Yeah, yeah. Give us a bit of background. Tell us your your story. So I grew up in in Houston, Texas. H town. Uh, yeah, H town. I come from a family. Primarily on my mother's side of, of, of musicians, gospel musicians. Um, so art was always a, a, a really important aspect of, of my life, but primarily, you know, music, but creativity was always a really important aspect of my life. I never really had the tenacity to learn an instrument, but I was good at drawing or I was, you know, kind of interested in, in uh, visual art. And, and so that was kind of the, the, the way that I decided to go creatively. And just luckily, you know, there was, there was support, you know, for it um, on my family side. That's a little bit of the background. Um, I grew up primarily in Missouri City, Sugarland area, kind of in, in the suburbs. A little, honestly, like, you know, embedded within the, my black family, but like outside of outside of that kind of, you know, uh, being exposed to a lot of other different things. Um, and I would skateboard, you know, when I was younger. I was uh, would listen to what they called at the term new wave music at that time. Um, and so, you know, music, although it was a part of my, my family, music was also a, a way that I kind of rerooted myself, rerooted myself in, into black culture, like socially. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was mainly mm -hmm. like, you know, what helped me to do that was some of the hip hop that was being made in the late 80s, early 90s. And so, you know, there there is this thing within my within my work of, about music and its kind of functional aspects, not just being a source of entertainment, but, you know, being a way of building community, being a way of identity formation, being used in for, you know, to distribute political messages, all of that kind of stuff, you know, so. After high school, I went to HSPBA, which is, you know, High School of Foreign Visual Arts in mm -hmm. Houston. So had that kind of art training for my undergrad. First went to TSU and was exposed to the philosophy of, of Dr. John Biggers. Ah, uh, um, yes. Yeah, which was which was really impactful. Dr. Alvary Wardlaw, 
you know, and, and other professors there um, kind of, you know, gave me a, a foundation for, for what I would kind of build on for the next, you know, for, for, my, for my future. Um, I didn't graduate from TSU. I ended up graduating from UH, but I do feel like my understanding of what art is and does, you know, kind of comes from those, those, those experiences at TSU and, you know. So you answered part of the question I was going to ask, right? So you're surrounded by music, um, but I'm, I'm assuming you were also uh, in contact with artists. You were being exposed to the arts. So I'm, I'm curious, beyond John Biggers, who were some of those early influences? Who are some of the folks who made you go, ah, in terms yeah. of the art world? Yeah, so at HSPVA, we also took art history, right? But we weren't really exposed to many uh, kind of uh, artists within the, the Black arts tradition or really, really artists of color at that time. Uh, it was just primarily like a, a European modernist kind of history that they were, that they were sharing with us. Um, so my main... Um, my main my main experience in terms of finding out about the history of art and connected to myself comes from TSU. Okay, okay. You know, and taking uh, Dr. Wardlaw's uh, African American art uh, history course, um, and then being able to connect the dots between there and you know in Africa and you know what yeah other yeah. things that were kind of going on in the city, but at that time. Um, so artists that were really important for me at that time, I would say, were people like David Hammonds, um, Project Row Houses, you know, with Rick Lowe and, and the other founders, um, uh, uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat at that time was, was important. Um, uh, let's see here, Betty Sarr, uh, let's see who else. Um, some of the Harlem Renaissance, you know, Jacob Lawrence, you know, William H. Johnson, like those people were, were important to me and started to, to, uh, yeah, create in my mind kind of like a, a vocabulary or, or, or knowledge base I would pull from, from my own work. You, you know, I think folks move from doing to being, um, and, and let me, and let me try to explain what I mean. So, so in, in my own case, I, I was surrounded by books growing up. My oldest sister was working on a master's degree and a PhD, so I saw her writing. In school, we're writing papers, but it took a long time for me to move from doing, writing stuff, to understanding myself as a writer. So I'm curious, and for some folks, this is immediate. For other folks, it's a slow rollout. For me, it was a slow rollout, but I'm curious, when did you realize that you not you did not simply produce art, but you were an artist, right? At what point did you go, ah, I'm an artist? So the first um, artistic kind of medium I, I really fell in love with was photography. And when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a photographer. Okay. Um, but I still hadn't made that connection between art making and it being, yeah, it, it being a, a thing which kind of um, really fueled and kind of um, raised my quality of living, right? Like, I didn't get that until 
I would probably say maybe my second year at TSU, mm-hmm. right? Like, so around there. So it was a little early. Like, I mean, I was probably around 19 when I really began to understand that art making was, at least how I was using art making, was a part of my own kind of self-education. Mm-hmm. And I was really getting this, I was getting a reward from from my artistic activity, you know, which... um which started with myself and then kind of shared with others and people were, you know, were responding favorably. And so, yeah, that was the moment that I started to to connect those dots, I would say. And and so you mentioned that you were receiving an award through this art, that this art was touching something. What, what exactly was this, right? What, what were you getting out of, out Mm -hmm. of art? Yeah. So, you know, growing up in, in Houston, you know, still to this day, <laughs> Texas public school in regards to history is is notorious, right? <laughs> I mean, it, had, it still has not worked kind. out its problems. <laughs> you know, so so there were a lot of gaps within my within my education that um, I just needed to to understand, and um, and really it it started out with with slavery, right? Like in trying to understand just kind of more complex histories embedded within within slavery right mm-hmm. and the kind of breadcrumbs that this even existed you know i was getting from 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 hip-hop music that i was listening to at the time and kind of movies that i was seeing like mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. around the time i was an undergrad that movie um sankofa came out okay by Harley jarima and so you know there was there were these things there was this kind of like bubbling within popular culture that was supporting this this kind of research of supporting this kind of direction and and that's what you know um yeah that's what i used and and well that's you know what really inspired me and so starting with slavery and then from slavery kind of going to early black political movements and then from there kind of going to the civil rights movement really but really found a lot of interest in the in the black liberation movement okay yeah it was just really just trying to understand like the historical direction of, of, of black people in America and um, leading to a better understanding of myself, you know, and what my kind of capacity was and why I was still here. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think within black American culture, there's always been that type of participation with history, right? It's not mm-hmm. just a historical document. It also helps to fuel kind of your, your sense of identity and kind of your, your direction, you know? That kind of reflexive kind of attitude um, and positioning toward history. So now that raises a question for me, and I'm, I'm certain it's it's not an unusual question for you when you're interviewed, when you're talking to folks. What is art meant to do, right? And, and what I'm trying to get at is this. what What is your philosophy of art? I, I think mm-hmm. the conversation so far has kind of circled around that sort of question, but I'd like us to address it directly. What mm-hmm. what is your philosophy of art? What is art meant to do? I would say to beautify, to raise, and to mark. You know, I think there's just generally like within the the human need um, a need for, a human need um, a desire for beauty, kind of in our individual world. Artwork is also used to to educate, to raise the art consciousness, to to inspire. You know whether on the political level or sacred level. And then art is also used to commemorate, you know, people or events. And I, at least within my own work, I think those are the, the things that I, I look 
toward placing in each, maybe not every work I do, but like ideally like in the good work, they all kind of hit on some level. Yeah. So I, I I get what you're saying in terms of these three markers. I really do. I'm I'm wondering if there is a if there's a distinction to be made. That is to say, do do black artists have a certain type of obligation in that work that is not present in the work of the majority population? You see what I mean? Because somebody like Du Bois, right? E.B. Du Bois said, no, art's got to do political work, right? Art's got to do some heavy lifting. And I'm curious, do you see Black art having certain obligations and responsibilities that is not shared? I don't I don't know if I would use the word obligation. Like, I, I wouldn't want <laughs> <laughs> artists to think that they are obligated to, to work with um, Black artists to feel that they're obligated to work with their social reality. Although I do feel like that is where some of the most impactful work comes from. You know, it may not deal with, with that that experience directly, but it's able to, to fuse and transform that experience, you know, in, in other ways. But for me, again, some of the most impactful work comes from that place. Yeah. I'm an outsider, and many of the listeners are outsiders, right? We are not artists in the same way. So let us into that world for a second. And, and can you give us a sense of how artists make that determination, how they determine their intent, right? So once, once folks, once it's in the gallery, once it's in the museum, folks make of it what they make of it. They interpret it as they interpret it. But in terms of the artist's intent, how do artists make that determination, right? How do they decide how much of themselves gets exposed in this work and how much of it gets held back? That, does that make sense? <laughs> that does make sense. I mean, it's, it's, huh. how do, how to explain that? I mean, you know, it's, it's on the artist by artist basis. I think particularly if you're talking with black artists, you know, there is sometimes a frustration with with thinking that they have to work with that type of content, right? Or being pressured to work with that type of content. And that's on both the side of the Black community and kind of white expectations, right? You know, because sometimes those, those yeah, mm -hmm. they can come mm -hmm. from, from both places. And and so there, there gets to be a, a resistance to that. And, you know, I'm, I was actually just talking to my wife this, this morning, like <laughs> a little bit about this and, you know, the, the desire for the post-Black within, you know, Black visual arts, I do think now is one of the kind of foundational elements within the work, like within, within kind of how we see art is operating and what we see it as as doing so it's it's on it's on a, a individual basis but i do feel that in some particularly like mfa programs you know like talking about some of the subject matter and what could be traumatic histories and, and kind of sharing that with mm -hmm. with white professors or you know kind of a larger white student bodies is sometimes um difficult for for some of these artists and so they they shy away from that And, you know, and I, I get it. There's something unfair about my question, right? 
Jamal, speak for all artists, right? It's kind of like, Tony, you're black. Speak for all black people. Tell us what all black people think, right? So there's something unfair about that. So let's drill down and just talk in terms of you. It it seems to me, um, to the degree I'm familiar with your work, that there are values you bring to the work and values you try to communicate through the work. So... In, in terms of values, right, in terms of ideals, what, what are some of the values that matter to you that you bring to the work? And what are some of the values that matter to you that you try to express through the work? So, I mean, I do feel within my work, I'm right now I'm trying to come to a um, fuller acknowledgement of, of, of just, just important people and figures within within black american culture kind of and what what is the makeup of of black american culture like like what are the the philosophies or kind of people or influencers that help to really kind of make up its nature you know i gotta push this a little bit so so when i write i'm in conversation with certain folks because i can get with their view of the world, the principles they bring. So I can, as as I'm thinking about writing and as I'm I'm writing, I can get with Alice Walker because I appreciate the way in which she grounds the human mm-hmm. in a larger arrangement of life, right? I can get with W.E.B. Du Bois because I, I understand and appreciate his understanding of the dynamics of race as an ongoing concern and problem, Right. I can get with a Richard Wright because he surfaces for our attention, the messy and uncomfortable dimensions of life. So when you're creating, who are some of the folks you can get with? Right. Some of the folks who speak to you and and what is it about their principles, their values, their worldview that speak to you? Mm -hmm. I think this idea of um, creating works that speak on multiple levels. So whether you talk about the spiritual or you talk about, you know, the spatial or you talk about, you know, the aesthetic, like the artists that I kind of most kind of gravitate towards are able to, you know, kind of create works um, that that hit on all of those levels. I would say so, for instance, like Southern vernacular art has has been really um, important for me, um, probably for like the last, you know, five to ten years or so. Um, other artists who are important to me, of course, my mentor, uh, Terry Atkins, you know, the types of work that he was producing. Um, uh, this woman singing in Goody, right? Um, so a lot of the artists that I, I really kind of use as, as, as directional and, and like how you were saying about Richard mm-hmm. Wright and Alice Walker are, are this group of artists who come out of like the, the late seventies, right? Um, who are really, um, using history and material um, who, whose work is, 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 is abstract in terms of, of, of form, but who are really kind of trying to make these transformations between history, you know, material and form to, to address like, you know, the black experience and to, to um, yeah, to, to stake, I think, new claim, new territory for mm-hmm. it as well. It, yeah. it seems to me in your work, one of the values that is of, 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 Tremendous importance. One of the principles with which you operate is the importance of the importance of a grounded identity that is connected to history and materiality. Right, that you are concerned with the integrity of black identity. 
Hmm. If if that's right, then tell me a bit more about that. And if it's wrong, tell me that. So in integrity, what would you what would you mean by like integrity? Can you? Well, what I mean by that is you seem you are dissecting the popular historical narrative of the U.S. and you're finding uh-huh. our people as you interrogate that the narrative. Right? You're asking who's been forgotten, what hasn't been said, mm-hmm. and and so right. for me, um, that speaks to not only the identity of black people in the context of the United States, but the integrity of that identity. It's the integrity because you are not not satisfied by the dominant narrative. You're finding Mm -hmm. us elsewhere in the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think maybe that, honestly, I I have not thought about this in this way. So you're you're helping to push me, but you know, um, for many years, um, I mean, even even today, in some regards, like I'm kind of I've I've been I would say often situated on the, the margins of of Black American culture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, so whether you know I talk you know I mentioned earlier as a teen and kind of like being involved with you know, things that the people consider to be, you know, white, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in the South, I know you grew up in, in New York, yeah. right? So in the South, it was very different in terms of like how, you know, what, what was to be expected from, you know, black youth and what was, what was acceptable really, I think. And often I found myself outside of that. And then on top of that, you know, um, like in the early, 90s, you know, I make a conversion to Islam Mm -hmm. and, you know, that also kind of set me on the outside of, you know, my family, but then kind of on the margins of black culture again, at least Southern black culture. Right. And so, um, so maybe that's just kind of where I'm, I'm, (laughs) where I've, I've just kind of naturally started to look, you know, and, and try to, um, try to pull out the stories that are, that are, that are part of that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, that isn't unfamiliar to me. I grew up in Buffalo, New York, but my people come from Virginia and North Carolina, right? And they moved okay. to Buffalo with some of that, with those cultural sensibilities and social expectations intact. So what you're saying to me makes a whole lot of sense. I, I, I And I also think that within your work, there seems to be a, a on the other, on the, uh, on the level of ethics, right, what we ought to do, um, mm. there seems to be a deep comfort with and appreciation for disruption, mm. right? And so I think in terms of how you force viewers to think secular and sacred together, how you force viewers to think about occupation of time and space in ways that is complex, uncomfortable, but yet rich and on some level, generative, right? Something comes of this. Hmm. Hmm. So if I'm right, tell yeah. me more. If I'm wrong, tell me that. Yeah, I mean, again, I, it, it's so interesting, like how as creative people, you're just, you're, you know, earlier you were mentioning how we come out of these environments, right? And we're, we're kind of, you know, placed 
you know, place in these environments and, and we, and we, we respond to it. We, we, you know, whether positively or negatively. Right. And the, the, the moment that I was and and we carry, carry that, that original moment with us. If, if it's impactful, mm-hmm. like throughout our lives. Right. So, um, yeah, just the, the cultural moment that I feel I was placed in was like after the, you know, after the black liberation movement, you know, this thing has been quashed, you know, for whatever reason, whether it had been, um, you know, strategically or whether it's kind of, you know, whether it come from inside or outside of our community and probably it's a little bit of both. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm with this generation who I think is, is trying to figure that out as well as trying to kind of, um, stake its claim to a, a particular musical tradition mm-hmm. of talking about hip hop. Mm-hmm. And they're doing this in a very, um, kind of collage fashion, right? Where disruption is just part of the, <laughs> it's, it's part of the, it's part of the, the making of the object. And then as well as the, uh, the 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 playing the the distribute you know it's disruptive in nature it's disruptive in making in terms of the collage aesthetic but even once it goes out into the world it's disruptive mm-hmm. as well right mm-hmm. and so yeah this thing about yeah so I would say like I'm I am comfortable with that mm-hmm. um you know and yeah I, I do think like that that has really kind of tailored tailored my sensibility to be what it is I, it just over time like it's become i think more subtle in terms of what i pull from and how i you know the material that i run through that through that process um i think that's become more more subtle you know but but yeah i would say that that you're right with that you know and i have to tell you this as a humanist one of the things i really appreciate about your work is it doesn't it's not heavy handed it doesn't force a particular religious vantage point so i think your work in relationship to say john biggers the upper room or ramir bearden's the conjure series right that that you get a sense that religion has mattered to black folks but what what you like like those two do from my vantage point is highlight our attention to the humans who are engaged right that it, mm. it to some extent it it urges us to pay attention to the people involved and i can get with that hmm. 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 well thank you i mean i again like just personally i think i'm the i'm the product of of yeah, you know, at least two different, <laughs> two different approaches to spirituality. Um, I have started to to work with the idea about black religion, right? And 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 just thinking about the 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 implementation of that um, of spirituality within uh, within social resistance, right? And then, you know that takes a bunch of different forms. Mm-hmm. Uh and so yeah, there there's not necessarily a particular religious point of view. It's just just trying to think about the nature of it or the interplay between those two things because, you know, as we were say we we're saying in the in the last conversation, after the summer of twenty twenty, I, I started to think like that was the the next step for black uh protest and resistance yeah. in this country. Yeah, yeah, I mean the word kind of as I view it, it speaks to me on a variety of levels. And one of them is just this urge to recognize. And I think in part it goes back to your rescuing 
of our position in history, right? Uh, rethinking history mm -hmm. that on some level, it kind of urges a recognition that we are here. We are present, mm -hmm. right? That it, mm -hmm. it, it urges us to view cultural activities, to view the institutions we, we create as an opportunity to see ourselves as embodied beings, as material moving through the world and to see the significance in that. I find that powerful. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I, 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 I make these works, you know, to to try to to clarify my position in the world, you know, and my, you know, to help me with just my kind of everyday thing, and 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 um, and so I, I think sometimes that comes through, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I feel like they're they're you know when artists make work from authentic places, I think that can be a, a very kind of powerful exchange. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, I have to ask this question. You probably get asked this question 12, 13 times a week. Tell us about your process. I, at one time, was very just about, you know, going to the library, going to the museum, uh, you know, record shopping, you know, all of that kind of stuff came into into my quote unquote research process as a, as an artist. But since I've moved back to Houston, it's like, you know, and I've been in Houston now um, since 2010. But around that time, it's just been a lot slower, I think, and kind of like more organic. And and the things that that come into to the work. Um, you know, they end up just being kind of, you know, experiences that I have on on day to day, you know, and, and then that becomes part of you know, what I may be reading or kind of what I may be listening to and trying to create. Um, yeah, trying to trying to create something out of that, you know, because I'm always kind of like, I'm always in the studio. Right. And sometimes I have um a particular idea that I'm that I'm kind of working with or trying to see, and sometimes it's it does start with a title, or sometimes it might start with a with an with an object. Like I do a lot of purchasing on eBay, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you remember, like what the, just uh, uh, for example, um, do you remember seeing the the Budweiser posters that have African kings and queens on yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. So those that's for instance that's like one of the things that I'm I'm working with right now, and yeah. So sometimes it's it's part of an object that I that I may have bought, and then all of that kind of material. A lot of the the stuff that I do is based off of play, right? And then the solutions of the pieces come out of, come out of that. Um, so that's a little bit about my my process. I it does often involve disruption as you were saying like tearing mm -hmm, ripping mm -hmm. you know taking apart putting back together in different ways and so yeah that's a little bit of, about my process and 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 when it's done in a playful manner it's kind of like you're looking for something you're looking for the thing during the yeah. process and and i think this is one of the reasons i highlight values right so so for example you you take materials and you make them do a work they were in, they were not intended to do right so you take right. denim jeans and mm -hmm. you pull them apart and make something very different so in viewing the and so it seems to me in the creating of this art and in the viewing of this art 
it's not about the material itself, but what the material communicates, right? Because the material is not what was it, it was intended to do. Right, right. It's it's what the material communicates or, or ha- has has been embedded within the material, mm-hmm. right? And I, I do think that is a um, very kind of, not only West African, but like a, kind of like yeah. a sacred, uh, the idea of the relic. I think is, is, is involved, you know, is related to that. And, um, you know, that has also come into, you know, Southern vernacular art making in different ways. And, and yeah, and then I'm, that, that is one of the things I'm inspired by. And oddly enough is that it, it works, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing, like oddly enough, there's, there is some exchange there that occurs on just on the level of material, you know, that sometimes is very, it's, 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 I don't know if you want to say scary or shocking or, but just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it works. And, that, and that's really interesting to me, the, the idea of the relic or the totem, right? Or there are a variety of ways we can discuss this, but it's, it's mm-hmm. something that's supposed to prompt a way of thinking, right? It's supposed to prompt a certain way of seeing. It's supposed to remind us of something. And so again, I go to your use of denim. Those are not genes on the wall. Right. No. It's it's something different. No. And and that something different, it, it seems to me, produces a kind of dissonance that forces us to ask questions. Right. Kind of frees mm. us to think differently because mm. this is mm. not what it's supposed to be. This is not a pair of jeans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what that's what I that's what I'm trying to create those 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 types of of, of responses in the viewer um but the one of the things about that as well is it it is not always a kind of a conscious thing on my part mm. right i mean it may be something that i want to get from the the material or something that you know an inclination that i get out of working with the material or learn about the material and kind of want to use that Right. And just through the through the handling and manipulation repeatedly of it, you know, this other thing kind of mm-hmm. eventually comes out. Yeah. I mean, this is really interesting yeah. to me. And you tell me if I'm, I'm if I'm making too much of this. So I, I think in terms of pop art, for example, and I think in terms of Andy Warhol's Brillo box. Right. It's meant to prompt mm-hmm. certain questions like what is art? Mm-hmm. Right. And what is the distinction between Art and the everyday. What is the distinction between viewing and using, right? What's the difference between that Brillo box in the gallery and the Brillo box in the grocery store? And it seems to me on some level, at least for me as I view, your work prompts a question as well. And the question for me is, what is Black life and what is the value of Black life? Hmm. Hmm. And I see this related mm. to your engagement with history, right? What is the mm. value? What is black life? And what is the value of black life? You take these cultural forms and you make them do a different type of work, right? So you can think about the denim and think about the way in which denim genes produced a certain perception of black bodies when they wore them. This was work clothes, right? right. So think of the civil rights movement, right? Sometimes... Dr. King had on jeans because it was a certain type of thing that needed to be done, right? And so there are ways in Mm -hmm. which denim can confine the black body and reduce us to what we produce, right? That it it speaks Mm -hmm. to our ability to work, to do. 
And, and you dismantle that in a way that pushes us to think about values, to think about black life outside of that formation, outside of that popular mm-hmm. narrative of blacks are valuable based upon what they can do. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that response. Thank you for that. Um, honestly, I have not, I haven't gotten that, um, that take on it, but, but it's definitely on the, on the, the direction in terms of that, what I'm trying to, to flesh out in regards to our, 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 you know, black American history in regards to that material. Yeah. And, and in regard, yeah. I mean, cause you know, you have all these things about style as well, you know, and, um, yeah, so this thing about value and the, the the part that we play in this country. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very open ended question, but but definitely it's 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 some of the questions that I'm asking. You know, when I'm when I'm putting that that piece together, you know, those pieces together. And, and so, for those folks who are lucky enough to see your work in person, how should they engage it? Right? How how should we how how should we encounter your work right what yeah yeah um i think you do have to be um well you you can enjoy my work i think just on the on on one level of of just visually what it presents you know um you know like with the denim works you know there's you know i i I say um that I, i i create these they're not necessarily painting, you know, they're, they're these kind of denim collages mm-hmm. that, 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 that are made. And so you could, you know, talk about tonality and play of, you know, texture and, you know, you could talk about it as a formal work. And I try to, um, give these works enough attention to where there is that element within it. Right. But I think also within the works and, you know, there, there is a little bit more that you have to dig deeper to do. <clears throat> and so, I would just tell the to the viewer to well ask for the viewer to to be patient and to to want to go on this kind of journey with me, you know, um in terms of um of connecting you know, connecting this work or connecting material to a particular history that that I'm that I'm trying to focus in on or figure out or you know, or discuss. Um a lot of the work also is um you know, there there is there is a fictional element to some of the work because one of the things that I I am into is is this idea that um, many of the the uh, traditional West African sculptures that were created had a certain functionality mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. them, right? And so I'm into this idea of of these works that I, that I make having a, a function as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and that function also relates to our experience and kind of, you know, what, um, yeah, kind of the reason that, that, that I've, that I've, um, where they're coming out of and, and why that, why they were made trying to address that in one way or the other. Um, so I would just, just, uh, yeah, I would just ask for, for patience and, and you do have to, you know, you may not get everything the first time. I don't get everything, the, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I don't give everything the first time. I think they, they kind of, you know, good ones you know good works they they reveal themselves slowly okay. you know yeah so i would just uh, ask for patience in that regard you know and i think folks are still trying to negotiate space trying to figure out how much 
uh, how often they should leave their homes and where they should go. So if folks who can't get to galleries and museums to see your work right now, can you, is, is there a, a website, a location online where folks can see some of your work? So InmanGallery.com is the best place right now to, to see, um, you know, a, some of my my exhibitions and then kind of uh, separate works. Okay. Now, I, I have yeah. a question to ask, and it's a rather crude question, right? So you, uh -huh. you talked in terms of your process, the research, and I'm just curious, how much time, right? How long does it take you to move from that research to a, a piece you are happy to show? Right? What kind of time are we talking? It depends. I mean, so... It's interesting. Um, so, do you know this artist Trendor Hancock? No, no. Trendor Hancock. He's a he's a Houston artist, also primarily a painter, but does some sculpture too. Um, interesting guy. But I heard this uh, this one talk he did, and in, in, in was basically saying in the studio he tries to have works that operate on 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 different time frames okay you know that require different things from him sometimes things that are very quick and then things that are kind of a medium kind of level of response and things that take much longer um and so within within the work i think you you do get that the denim pieces you know they take a long time they're very laborious you know they, they're just repeatedly um stripping gluing ironing you know um in terms of the making of them they also take time in terms of you know some of the 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 denim pieces i take from these fbi memorandums and sometimes you know it also takes a while for me to find one that um that i want to use for work so wait wait, wait a minute you right. say they come from these fbi memorandums Can, what, say yeah. a bit more on that. so so um you know, for many black activists and also artists, you know, there has been this kind of FBI surveillance kind mm, of going mm, on, okay, you know, okay. since the 1930s or so. Um, so what I often do is kind of go through the FBI reading room file, which is online archive, look for different people I'm, I'm interested in, if see if they have a file, and then kind of go through those files and try to find documents <clears throat> um yeah, that's that that speak to a particular history I'm interested in. Like the one of the the ones that I did recently um, was about Billie Holiday. Mm. You know, who because of the the song "Strange yeah. Fruit," you know, was just yeah, comes under the surveillance of of the FBI, and so you know they were really able to um, take advantage of her drug habit. Mm -hmm you know, and get her caught up in, you know, to try to destroy her career and, and all of these things. And so, um, yeah, this, this one, this, this last one I did, I did recently is kind of a, I, it's, it's a file that has two news, newspaper clippings of a story of a drug raid that she was involved with and kind of that's, that's then, um, represent, uh, represented in all black denim, Right. And but it's these two angular kind of like strips that that, that mm, go on it. Mm. So sometimes it, it looks very abstract, but it is actually kind of taken from from these FBI memorandums. So it has like this. Yeah. Other other underlying political content to it. Um, and it's called Angular Call to Lady Day. And, uh, you know, Gil Scott did this song um, 
what you call on Lady Day, what you call on John Coltrane, because they're they'll wash your troubles, your troubles away, mm. right? So just okay. like, like a combination between these different you know musicians and this history, and so yeah, um, so that's that's also a part of the making. So you know the you have the 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 conceptual part, you know, which does some sometimes take take a while, and then you have the you know the actual making. So. They differ, you know, in terms of, of time. Um, the sculptures usually come to me a little quicker, right, in terms of... Because um, there's, like there's, there's a more of like a kind of collage aesthetic to the, the sculptures. So they, they, they come a little quicker. Yeah, I, I think for, for some artists, some artists might argue that what they're doing is simply uncovering what's already there. And for other artists... Mm-hmm. It's not simply that, right? That they are kind of imposing something on the material. What? what hmm. How would you describe your process, your work? Are you are you uncovering what's already there, or are you imposing something on material? I would probably say a little bit of both. Um, I think with the. Uh, huh. I think with uh, with many of the 2D works, it is kind of an uncovering what is there and translating that in a different okay. way. So, like making a different translating a different kind of material or, or medium. With the with the sculptural work, um, I would probably say it's it's imposing a certain logic or making this thing to do something it was not originally meant to okay. do. Okay. Right. And so that's the that's the the thing about the collage or the collision, you know, within the sculptures that I think like you were talking about, uh create a certain dissonance mm-hmm. in the viewer. Um and yeah, that's what I would yeah, so I would say those are kind of my 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 strategies with okay. those. Okay. Well, one last question ways. for you. Are there, thinking in terms of your work, but then thinking in terms of the larger arena of work, is there something that folks typically get wrong when <laughs> thinking about art, when talking about art? Is there something we typically get wrong that just drives artists crazy? Hmm. Something that folks typically get Wrong. Right? Is there a way we just we just mess it up, completely misunderstand? Well, you know, so there's this thing where 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 certain people think it's a game, hmm. right? Because of what they see in the muse- in the museum, they, they you know they start to think, oh, well, maybe I could have done that. In, but then they hear these long, kind of drawn out explanations about the intentions of the artist, and the, you know, so. I, I would say, like, for most people that I know, it's not a game, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, people do make these things from 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 real positions and are expecting a lot, you know, really put a lot into to their, to their making and are very committed to what they do, you know? So when you go to the museum, don't always have that kind of... <laughs> Don't be so skeptical <laughs> to think that it's always a, always a game, you know? Um, yeah, so I would say like that that is that is one of the things. Art people do get the thing wrong too about they could have done that. <laughs> you know, like I mean maybe they could have done that, but they they would have done it after like, you know, maybe years of <laughs> of making previous moves to get them to that point. You know, so that's kind of what a lot of 
people who see simple and you know and my work is very simple you know like simple materials simple processes right um i do think like that's kind of what people can think when they see what they would consider to be a simple solution to something they don't think about what it took people to get to that Mm -hmm. you know they just see the outcome what does it generate and what what it generates you you might look at basquiat's work and say i could have done that well, a couple of yeah. things. One, you didn't. And secondly, yeah. what does it generate, right? What does it pull from us? What kind of new thoughts does it force us to have, right? Yes. How yeah. does it change us, yeah. impact us? Yeah, I mean, thinking about Basquiat, too, it's like he he is very... I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't personally see any others who were, who were synthesizing that number of kind of traditions and histories and kind of aesthetics kind of at the same time at, you know, in his moment. It's complex, right? The pieces are complex. It's very very complex. It's very complex. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about him too, being on the kind of the burgeoning of kind of the hip hop mm-hmm. movement, right? Like and in a certain sensibility coming out of New York at that time. And yeah, I mean, you're right. So yeah, he's 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 a great example of some somebody who could be mistaken, mm-hmm. you know, that the, that you can maybe do this, you know, but but yeah. no, it's it's very and and obviously took a toll. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and obviously took a yeah. toll on him. So yeah, I mean, it seems to me we do ourselves a disservice if we are not open to what art is communicating, if we don't allow ourselves to be informed and influenced by the values it seeks to speak. But, you know, I could mm. talk to you, Jamal, all day, every day. I mean, I really I really enjoy you. And I'm I'm surprised, you know, unfortunately, it's taken this long to get us. Yeah, you know, in the same city. Up, but yeah, yeah. But really, thank you so much for for chatting with me. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I know folks who are listening in have also enjoyed it. The Pin Drop Podcast with Anthony Pin is a production of Only Sky Media, exploring the whole human experience from the secular perspective. Visit us online at onlysky.media. Thanks for listening. See you next time for Pin Drop.